Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles, yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible, then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas, quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah What's up, everybody? This is Guys with Bibles. I'm Scott. I'm, I'm Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a good sneaker. <laughs> you thought me. You thought you had me. You did. I really did. I was trying to pull a fast one on you. Nope. Didn't yeah. work. The fast one was never pulled. will. Your reflexes you are, are too quick. You would catch it. Nothing goes over yeah, your head. I have the. I have the. Speed of a cat and the reflexes of a mongoose. Yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> I thought you were going to start quoting that song from Mulan. Oh, no. I've never even seen Mulan all the way through. Really? Well, you're about to see the whole live action one. Why? Let's get down to business. Because they're going to be coming out <laughs> with a whole... Like the Lion King and all that oh. other stupid movies. So, as we dive into, so where do we leave off? Chapter ten. Yeah, we're on chapter ten yeah. now of Nehemiah. Chapter ten of Nehemiah. Um, now, in the beginning of chapter ten, there is a giant list of names that and Scott is not going. to I read am definitely either. not going <laughs> to read. <laughs> it is verboten. But um, so there's a giant list of names. Now, who? What is the significance of these names? Uh, this is the everybody that's in the binding agreement uh, of that sealed document that they've written. That's that's a covenant, uh, a promise to get back to the worship of God. Right, right. Correct. So this is the yes. It's the same document that yeah. in Nehemiah nine that they were talking about. Um, at the very end in verse 38 that they signed. Um, this is basically the leaders. Leaders are of the Levites and our priests um, that are signing this. So it's going to go through a bunch of names. Um, I believe there are a total of... How many did I write down? I didn't write down. Seven, oh, yeah, here we go. There were 17 Levites were listed, six of whom were involved in the reading of the law. Um, the other group of signers of the agreement were 44 leaders. Um, that is, heads of families. Um, some of them are listed in chapter 7, verses 8 through 25. 
Um, and then we're going to get into the stipulations of the, the document, um, the obligations. So once we get there, and we'll just we'll go from there. Nice. Nice. I love it. That's great. No, it loves you. And no, it does. You're great. Thanks for reminding me. Um, on the list of names, I started going through on literal word and looking at some of the meanings of the names because you know there's a big, a big part of, um, of Israel at this time is all the names are significant so that your your name is kind of a signifier of your character, or your your God given goal to accomplish. So, like, you know, there are people who, after an encounter with God, such as Abram, their name is changed. You know, Abram was named Abraham. Sarai was named Sarah. Uh, Jacob became Israel, that kind of thing. Um, I was looking at some of these names, and there are some pretty interesting meanings behind a lot of these names uh, that, that really testified of what's gone on in their situation. Do you mind if I go Let's through go. a couple? Yeah, let's go through through some. Okay, so um, in verse 25, we have Hashabna, which means Yahweh has considered. Um, there's another name, Harim, which means dedicated. Um, Zedekiah means Yahweh is righteous. Hodiah, my majesty is Yahweh. Uh, Azariah, Yahweh has helped. So a lot of those names that end in Ayah, like Shemaiah, Obadiah, um, Shebaniah, that Yah at the end is a reference to God, of course, being being part of his covenant name. So they're, they're, the name itself is referencing God and an attribute of God. So, But it's interesting huh. that, especially with these ones that I picked, that you know Yahweh has considered, he, he considered his people and brought them back home. Harim meaning dedicated, as they did rededicate the temple, as they're doing right now in, in taking this covenant. Zedekiah, that Yahweh is righteous, um, that pretty much explains itself. My majesty is Yahweh, that um, the people are are rededicating themselves to worshiping God, and, you know, they've traded, they, they had traded the majesty of God for false worship, and so even that right. name reminds them that our true majesty is in Yahweh, not anywhere else. And then, of course, Yahweh has helped, because obviously, without Yahweh giving them... Uh, giving Nehemiah the call to go back to Jerusalem and, and begin rebuilding, and without God's help in doing the rebuilding, they wouldn't be where they are right now. So it's, hmm. just, it's, it's cool that even the names of the people involved in signing this covenant, their names signify the mighty work of, of God that we're reading about in this book. Right. I think that's, that's one of the downfalls of not being able to actually read the Hebrew scriptures. For real. In, in, in the uh, in the original languages, because you, you, you miss stuff like that that's hidden in the words. That's where Chad Bird has us beat. <laughs> yeah, yep. Chad, Chad knows Chad knows his Hebrew and Greek, so he can he can dig in. We can too, but it's just a lot harder, and we have to have a lot more books. Yeah, so. and it takes a lot more time. <laughs> yeah, and sh- and shout out to Chad Bird, not only with forty minutes in the Old Testament, but even on his Facebook page where he does a few minutes long video here and there, going through a passage of scripture. Usually, it's like a New Testament passage and showing the 
Old Testament roots of that passage or a meaning that you might not get just from reading it in, without the Old Testament context. Those are very fascinating and instructive videos, too. So I personally highly recommend people take a listen to those. Right on. All right. So now we're let's just go ahead and jump down into verses 28 since we went through some of the names. Um, yes. That way we keep it keep it moving. Yes. Um, so this is basically the obligations of the document. Um, verse 28 is saying, Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the people of the lands of, to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, all those who had knowledge and understanding are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles and taking themselves a curse and oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses, the servant and to, I got to flip the page. Me too, bro. Yep. Keep and to observe all the commandments of God, our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. And that we will not, that we will give out, we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land, or take their daughters for their sons. So let's stop there. So, so we're they're, they're stop. basically republishing the, the the original stipulations of of covenant. Yes, that's exactly what's going on here. Um, this is the stuff they failed to do from the beginning, and that's why they had to have kind of the the little uh, divorce court that we talked about back in Ezra, where right. people they had to out people that had married the foreign wives and all that kind of stuff that led to their their condition. Now, what's interesting about this? So, with the stipulations, the rest of the people they did not place their seals to the written agreement at all. Um, but they did join in the binding of themselves to the contract to follow God's law. Um, like the gatekeepers, the singer, singer, singers, the temple servants um, were listed. Um, all others are under... They, they were the ones who separated themselves from foreign, foreign peoples. Because um, they needed to be dedicated themselves. Right, this... This was basically a, a commitment. Um, it was not indicated by the seals, but it was evidenced by a curse um, that was called down through calamity if they failed to carry through on their agreement. Kind of like uh, Deuteronomy 28. Um, there is blessings and curses. Mm -hmm. um, so the curse may refer... Yep, right. The curse may refer to what God stated in Deuteronomy 28 um, in the Deuteronomic Covenant. Um, these stipulations, it spelled out the in the agreement and uh, ended up avoidance of intermarriages, um, keeping the Sabbath and the sabbatical year, um, also supporting the temple services by giving a third of a shekel um, about which is about one-eighth of an ounce annually. Um, and that's all I got for right now until we get further in. I don't nice. want to jump too far ahead. You know, you said an eight, about an eighth of an ounce, and I just realized um, 
I'm used to seeing shekel and <laughs> those those types of measurements. But in the CSB, it literally says to give an eighth of an ounce of silver yearly for the service of the house of our God. <laughs> wow. No so kidding. they just they just modernized it. Well, that's pretty cool. So that's that kind of interesting. Well, that way you don't have to did guess. Did it have a footnote showing that, the original, like, oh, it, no, it's such and such shekels? Yeah, it says give one third of a shekel. That's, it that's says so literal translation, give one third of a shekel. Because that's, uh, yeah, you know, it's usually flip-flopped in a, in a Bible. They're using the, the original measurement, and then in the footnote, they give you the contemporary equivalent. That's pretty cool. That's, that's funny. That was David hmm. Allen's idea. He loves playing with scripture. Was. <laughs> Way to go, David. I was going to say, uh, real quick, when as they're establishing verses 28 to uh, 29, uh, verses 28 and 29, they're reestablishing that uh, the law of God that, you know, is found throughout the Pentateuch. But uh, starting in verse 30, they go into the details of this this vow that they're making and they're basically taking the law and they're reapplying it to their current situation. Right. They are. Um, that's true. Cause they're, they're specifying you know, the whole, uh, they're probably reminded of the whole divorce court thing that we were talking about in verse 30 as they're specif- They're making sure that they specify daughters. They're not going to give their daughters in marriage to the surrounding peoples. And whatnot. And then uh, if you go down to verse 31, uh, is it verse 30? Yeah. When the surrounding peoples bring merchandise of or any kind of grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath day or the holy day. That's right. That is that is the law, but they specified that, that situation. They applied it to their current situation of where they're living now amongst these other people. Well, and you know, that goes hand in hand with the issue of the intermarriage, because it's always said that when you give your daughters to, for their sons or, or give your sons for their daughters, that not only are you giving them in marriage to them, but you're also taking on their worship and their Their customs, their traditions. Yeah. And the first thing to go obviously is going to be the Sabbath. Yep. So, I just wanted to bring that up real quick before we got too far away from it. I'm glad you mentioned that because um, cause I had a note on verse 31 also um, where it says, so, of course, they're not going to buy from them on the Sabbath or on a, on a holy day. And we'll forego the crops the seventh year in the exaction of every debt. So they're going on about the, uh, the year of Jubilee also. Right. Uh, which was another practice that went by the wayside too. Every everything remotely Sabbatarian they had left off because that was at that point that and circumcision were the hallmarks of of Israelite life, and they had laid all that down. Uh, verse. Thir- imagine how hard that. Oh, I was going to say. Imagine how hard that would be to uh, real life completely on crops and. To go an entire year without growing anything. It's really scary. How, how, uh, 
you'd have to work e- extra to hard those, that. Yeah. those six you, years. You'd have to prepare. Yeah. I, I would be shooting a lot of deer. Yeah. <laughs> or just neighbor's cows. Do they have deer in know? Israel? I don't know. There are little maybe. critters you can eat. Oh, I'm sure there's... Oh, yeah. Scott has plenty of hamsters. Dude, oh, man. <laughs> it's like Hamsterville over here at my house. <laughs> It's I got a hamster factory. theme park in my office. It's ridiculous. It's it's quite ridiculous. Um. Anyway, another note anyway. uh, when we move into verse thirty-two. So up to now, they've been basically been reaffirming everything that was written in the law previously that they had broken. So it was the intermarriage clauses, the uh, observance of the weekly Sabbath on the last day of the week the year of jubilee but then in verse 32 they kind of place a new law on themselves with this one-third of a shekel basically what became the temple tax um which is not prescribed in the law anywhere so you can it's kind of i don't know if it's what you would say maybe the beginning of of the rabbinical tradition you know where they start piling on new laws on top of old laws um I could see where it would be necessary. You know, they've they've come back home and rebuilt it from rubble, essentially. And now they're going to have to find some way to fund the uh, the temple service again. Right. So then they start so, issuing a tax. Um, yeah, I, I, I read here that this, this change in that instead of a half a shekel, was it a half a shekel? Do you mean the one that Moses yeah, did? And, yeah, and Moses Moses commanded a half a shekel from every male 20 years old or older. That was when he took his census? Right. Okay. And this, But that passage doesn't describe this as an annual taxation. But in King Joash's time, when the temple was being restored, uh, the, the taxation of the people for the upkeep of the temple was assumed to be an annual occurrence. And it's not clear why it went from half a shekel hmm. uh, to only a third of a shekel. Well, because but. of the Joash uh, tax cuts. <laughs> it was part of his it was, it was part stim- of his campaign platform after all. It was it was a uh, stimulus program. Yeah, yeah. It's like it was like cash for clunkers. Yeah, um, yeah I, that's it, that's an interesting. But uh, it says since since there was not uniformity between monetary systems, it may be that the shekel in Nehemiah's time was more valuable than in earlier times, so they didn't oh, have to. Could be. There's some give inflation. As much silver. Hmm. Um, so I, I'm going to assume that this this measurement here um, eventually became what uh, they were paying in Jesus' time, where uh, Jesus fished the uh, the coin out of the fish's mouth. Go pay the temple tax. True makes me wonder. <clears throat> I, di- I didn't see any notes on the uh, on the direct uh, connection between those two, but it just makes me wonder because, you know, once you, once you add a tax, a tax never goes away. If you're lucky, it stays the same rate, but usually it increases. So it would, it would just be interesting to see if that's, if that, if this is the beginning of that same tax that was being levied in, in Jesus time, but 
Taxation is theft. But not in this case. <laughs> and we're starting to get into a, like tithing as well in this chapter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah, that's in the that's in the next verse. That's in thirty three. And I have heard almost every question and concern in the book about tithing. Should you tithe? Should you not tithe? And we could literally get into an entire whole new podcast just over tithing. <laughs> Guys with tithes. Hey, that's good. It's not a bad name. People I, people think we're I, saying ties, and we'll be discussing bow ties and uh, standard ties. Oh, if you hear, like, um, rocks gibbering around, it's definitely a hamster with some nuts in his <laughs> wheel. And it is... It is driving me nuts. <laughs> the nuts are driving you nuts? Oh, some hamsters are about to meet some crows. <laughs> <laughs> so we went through um, 32. Let's jump through 33 all the way to 39. And then we'll just wrap chapter 10 up and then we'll jump it? into chapter 11. Um, yeah, that's fine. Go okay. ahead. Uh, so, so 33 is connected to 32 because uh, this is describing what the third of the shekel for the service will, will go toward. For the showbread, for the continual grain offering, for the continual burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moon, for the appointed times, for the holy things, and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel. And all the work of the house of our God... Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites, and the people, so that they might bring it to the house of our God, according to our Father's households, at fixed times annually, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law, and that they might bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruit of every tree to the house of the Lord annually, and bring to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks, as it is written in the law, for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the new wine and the oil, to the priests at the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithe of our ground to the Levites. For the Levites are they who receive the tithes in all the rural towns. The priest, the son of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes. And the Levites shall bring up the tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the sons of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of the grain, the new wine, and the oil to the chambers. There are the utensils of the sanctuary, the priests who are ministering, the gatekeepers, and the singers. Thus we will not neglect the house of our God. Here ends the reading. Bam. <laughs> Here ends the reading. So I can see it's it's awesome how methodical they are in 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 signing this covenant that we're not we're not gonna leave anything to chance here that we're gonna make this thing totally foolproof we're bringing we're giving this amount in shekels we're bringing the first fruits of all these kinds of produce that we either grow or make uh, we're gonna bring it at appointed times and give it to the appointed peoples and then those peoples are gonna do a very specific thing with the various uh, measurements of what we bring. Some of it's going to the storehouse, some of it's going for the offerings, and, you know, 
yada yada yada. <laughs> right, and a lot of it's going, and some of it's going for the priests' needs that are in the temple. Right, um, maintaining um, maintaining their health and their their rate of pay. Um, so ba- basically, when you're tithing, this is what people don't and understand in modern day. When you're tithing, you're not only tithing to God; you are tithing to the health and the prosperity of the church as well. You are you are taking care of the lead shepherd. You are taking care of the the sound, the the electric, the water. You're the maintenance to the building. That that is where your tithing is going, or it's going to missions and, and the mission field. Or or um, at least it should be going there. Right, and that that's where it should Usually be. Usually, the churches that of, get in trouble are, are getting in trouble because they're mismanaging the tithes and offerings that people give. I don't know who would do that. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> Probably the pastors with like private jets and in very fancy shoes. Yeah, and like Italian suits. <laughs> it always cracks me up when when the. You see, like, the televangelists up there with, like, a $1,000 suit on, and they're like, we need to give more money. Like, give your no, seed you offering. Just... Yeah. Get that billion flow. Yeah. I don't I don't see why a pastor makes that much money, un- unfortunately. But um, the, the pastor should live comfortably. Comfortably right. is... They, they shouldn't be, like... At the poverty line. Right, right. They should not be struggling to get by. But But, they should be comfortable and have a roof over their head and able to buy their own clothes and food and have a car and, you know, live a normal life and be comfortable with it. But they shouldn't, you know. They shouldn't be driving private jets. The church should own a jet. (laughs) If if you're going to go that far, the church should own that jet and you have zero rights to it. Um it shouldn't be the pastor's jet, you know what I mean? So there is things that the church does out of gratitude that I think they do uh, a little little too grat- gratuitous. Gratuitous, yes, that's the word I was looking for. Um, but, hey, it's not my, not my pig, not my farm. But so. I, I wanted to dial in on something quick here when they're talking they're they're talking about the first the first fruits or the firstborn of all these various aspects of their life and i i wanted to draw a uh, christological connection if i might uh were you going back to numbers 18 yes how did you okay bam (laughs) wow um well now that you stole my thunder but you know whatever you're welcome (laughs) yeah i can't help it well well really just to to keep it simple, you know, they're making a covenant here that they're bringing the first fruits of everything. So trees that they cultivate, uh, crops that they grow, wine that they produce, uh, but then also uh, their firstborn are dedicated to uh, to the service of God. And uh, it's, honestly, it, it rings through pretty strongly that um, they're, they're doing that, God's establishing that pattern that the firstborn is um, incredible and a, a gift from God, you know, and, and uh, is to be uh, dedicated to uh, holy service. And uh, it, it makes it plain and clear that God is is um, laying something out here uh, 
paving the way for his own son, the what we might call the firstborn of all creation, although he wasn't created, that he was eternal, but that uh, he ultimately would be the uh, the ultimate firstborn set aside for the purpose of God, uh, who would come and live righteously and die in our place to uh, to secure our righteousness and forgive our sin. Hey, man. Hey, man there, Colonel. Hey, man. Hey, man! No, no, that's... <laughs> that. That's a good point, Lee. That's a very good point. Yeah. That was a good... I don't really have anything to add to that. So, as we get into the final statement of the agreement, um, where it says, we will not neglect the house of our God, um, it, it summarizes all the obligations um, through... Um, all the way through what's going on through the pain of annual tithes. Um, it goes through under under Ezra's and Nehemiah's leadership. The people had been led to a place, um, a higher priority on spiritual things, including the care and of the restored temple. Um, this was even more important than restoring the city walls. Right, because the walls were just serving to protect the temple. Right. There's no reason to have Jerusalem as any a city any more important than any other city, except for the fact that it's where God had chosen to uh, dwell in the temple and to place his name there. Right. So, you guys have anything to add to chapter 10? I don't think so. It's a pretty straightforward chapter, really. Yeah. It's the natural progression of what we've been reading the last few chapters, that... They, they've got a time of national mourning over this, the destruction that their sin caused. Then they've uh, the priestly role of, of Ezra reading the law again and calling the people to further repentance. And then they're going to move on from there and rededicate themselves to the worship of God. And, uh, and they're going to make it official. They're going to write it down so there's something objective they can go back to. That They not only have the law written down that they can read uh, every Sabbath, but... Uh, at the same time, they'll have a, a covenant within their own community. We're not going to let this happen again. Except they will, right. spoiler alert, but, boy, they gave it an honest uh, college try. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they, they they definitely neglected the house of their god again. <laughs> so. They fail a, daily. A few times. Oh, man. But, I mean, it's it's just like today. We fail every single day. And so we see our fallen nature throughout Scripture, and it's still the same to this day. I mean, it's just... Yeah, honestly, like, if if I'm reading through the Old Testament and there was... Everybody was, like, perfect and godly and never... And they never wrote about them sinning or doing anything wrong. I would have a... Life would be a struggle, you know, as a Christian, because that's, that's, you do that every day. You, you fall and you stumble and you sin and every single day you have to repent of what you've done. And if you, when they put in scripture, these, these people sinning and every sort of awful thing you can imagine is in the Bible. It 
it's almost reassuring in a way saying, you know, if, if God can save these people, why not me? Exactly. Sort of thing. There's right, because nothing... God hasn't changed. He showed them grace and mercy back in these times in the Old Testament. He showed grace through the New Testament, and he's continuing to show grace even into our times now. Exactly. And, uh, it's not yes. something we should take for granted, but we ought to know that, that those of us who are redeemed, uh, God's grace is cement to us, and we can build our foundation on that. And I'm as I'm studying covenant theology more and more, God's grace is even more evident through covenant theology than I've ever seen it in any other way to look at Scripture, and it's it's quite amazing, so... Amen. So love me some covenant. So men, where can they find us? Well, do you want me to do it, Lee? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll do I it. I thought you guys could tag uh, team it. We we could. <laughs> I'll do the website side, you, you can... do the social side. Okay, you start. Okay. Though. Well, they can find us at our website guyswithbibles.com there you can stream the audio of our podcasts if you're not a podcast listener which you should be but we can talk about that in a little bit Uh, or you can read our blogs that Sean and I write Uh, we post two a week by God's grace and hopefully uh, he will continue us down that path for the foreseeable future Uh, you you can also um, you can also email us directly at guyswbibles at gmail.com. And then, Sean, what are the other avenues? Well, you can... Did you mention iTunes? Oh, I guess I should. I was thinking about leaving that last. But yes, you should uh, You should subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or uh, Overcast or Pocket Casts or uh, Podbean. I searched Podbean and we're there. So I know some people out there use Podbean. Um, we should. I, I, we're still not on Spotify, but I'm gonna find a way to make that happen. But it, their system is weird. But uh, you really should go on there, subscribe, listen, download, and then please kindly leave us a review at whatever review area that your podcatcher offers. Um, an honest five star review and maybe a nice comment. If you don't like us, you really should just email us directly and tell us why because we would love to hear that um or just leave it in the review (laughs) or that yeah i mean you know follow your heart (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) and uh if you search facebook twitter or instagram for guys with bibles you'll find us so uh join our facebook group uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and uh, get involved in the conversation and whatnot. So The Twitter is fire. It's hot. It's Lazy. hot. So hot. All right. Hey, if We're anybody wants Bibles. to donate a book to us so we can do a giveaway, that would be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Are what all the like podcasts re- do now. Are you reaching out to somebody here or No, no, I'm just I'm just I'm just putting a call out there into the ether. Honestly, I could probably <laughs> give away ether. one of my books. I just need to finish some. We shall discuss. And we are guys with Bibles and we're out. <laughs>
I have a friend. He kind of listens to to um, guys with Bibles, but kind of not. His name's Josh. We were in school together. I mean, as much as you can call it school when you're homeschooled, but uh, we've been friends for a long time, and he's he's a redheaded, and uh, I've always called him Ginger Unicorn. <laughs> ginger Unicorn. In fact, he's in my phone as the Ginger Unicorn. That's epic. Yeah, it's pretty great. 